Hi, and welcome back to So You Wanna, a podcast for writers by writers. I'm Meg, and Al and I started this brand to create a space for authors to chat, hang out, and just be. The world needs more books. It needs your books. Let's make that happen. I'm the author of the Miranda Rice Trilogy, which is a dark werewolf romance that follows Detective Miranda Walker as she discovers the undying nightlife of Memphis, Tennessee. I've also written the 2021 Wadi shortlisted novel, The Author's Boy, which is a pseudo medieval story that follows this forbidden love. And, you know, I do have a few other titles that vary from historical to fantasy to contemporary, but they are all romance. I think you'll find that I like to cross genres. You can go and read all my work on Wattpad under Megan Alexandria. You can follow me there and on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is author Megan Alexandria, and I am on Amazon under author slash Megan Alexandria. <laughs> hey there, I'm Al. Um, I've written uh, quite a number of contemporary romances <laughs> over on Wattpad. There's so many titles at this point that I am just too lazy to write them all. So just head over to uh, Wattpad. You can mm-hmm. follow me there at L Meredith Writes, and you can find all my books. Um, if you're looking to connect with me, you can follow me on Instagram at lmeredith.writes, also on TikTok under the same handle at lmeredith.writes. Um, yeah, so today we're going to talk about the mystery genre. Yeah, it's going to be a mystery sort of show. I know, and I always end up bringing up the mystery book I read that you hate, um, A Room, what was it called? A Room Swept White or something like that, anyway, about... Um, it's like about oh no this is the baby one gross uh it was uh, it was so well done though and it just i don't know i i really like that it delved into a topic that people don't like talking about subscribe (laughs) i'm just saying like outside of like the actual like you know sadness of um you know trigger warning here um outside of the sadness of babies not living um, it really delves, I think, into an important topic about postpartum and, you know, how we're not actually helping mothers get through their postpartum journeys and how we actually don't care about women once they've given birth and mm-hmm. how much that affects them mentally. So I don't know. I think that's an important. Could we talk about. about a different mystery like Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. Or, you know, the murder of Mr. Wickham or Clue or Nancy uh, Drew. I loved Nancy Drew when I was growing up. Oh, there are these. There are so many. I forget what they were called. Oh, it was like a whole series. Oh, when I was a kid, there was a series about like, how can I be a detective when I'm babysitting and stuff like that? And it was like this whole thing about this girl who the the title was always like, how can I be a detective when I feel like you you can't because you have responsibilities. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I I know that. (laughs) She was like. She was like, it was like a Nancy Drew-esque thing, you know, where she's a kid doing these like mystery Uh things. Uh There's another series I read, um, but I can't remember, cannot remember what. I'm actually quite shocked that you are so um, vastly, you know, 
don't know, like you, you dove so deep into the mystery genre. Like you're, you're a romance reader. It's not, I can't even get you to read fantasy. I, you know, it's not a, like, it's not a go-to genre for me. That's for sure. Like I don't walk into the bookstore and like make a beeline for mystery, but you know, it's definitely like there are times whenever I find mystery novels. I like, like, for example, this book that I was telling you about, Suitors and Sabotage, is actually like a gothic mystery romance novel. Like, you know, like, yeah, so yeah, I want that still. It's just, I feel like it just depends on the content and what it's talking about. And I think we all know I'm really into psychology and stuff like that, which yeah, is why yeah. I picked up, you know, A Room Swept White, because it talked about something that I think is very important in the mental health world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, anyway. Well, for me, I'm still waiting for the paperback to come out of Sense and Second Degree Murder because I want the paperback of that. And what is it? It's Pride and Premeditated, Premeditation or something like that. Um, they're both uh, young adult mysteries, but it's like Jane Austen stories mm-hmm. revived um, and yeah. like kind of in a different way. And I, I am the type that I like reimaginings um yeah like I know that (laughs) you are not you like your historicals to be like accurate and everything but I like to kind of like I like the things that bend the rules so like when Moulin Rouge had all the modern music I like that and Bridgerton the modern string music um and the okay I'm weirdly into that Bridgerton I do like the string music being the modern music I I I love it especially because I played the cello for so long and the piano that I you know I used to write my own orchestral music and so like to hear say Nirvana which is my absolute favorite uh band for anyone listening at all I am a typical Pisces um (laughs) you know uh to hear it in that capacity is just it it was it's like I don't know it's unreal like I can't I am so into music it's not even funny like that's why I keep learning different instruments and why everything you know I drop everything into a minor for the ukulele to be ironic you know but like I just I like it when things get tweaked like that so like for me the point is of you know that I like it when things are redone and hey here's this Jane Austen novel but what if we made it a mystery like I think Mm. I think that's so cool it's like clue and Pride and Prejudice had a love child and it was glorious, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I like retellings too, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I part of what brought me to A Court of Thorn and Roses oh, yeah. mm-hmm. it, um, is actually... That's um, a, it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that's kind of the original thing that drew me there. Yeah. And... Yeah, and like even and then you stayed for Reese. Yeah, Yeah, then it's true. I I came for the Beauty and the Beast retelling. I stayed for Reese, but I have an idea for. Well, I don't have an idea. I actually started writing one on the episode app, but a retelling of Beauty Mm -hmm. and the Beast, the original, not the that is actually the first work of yours. I think I read before you got onto Wattpad and did the um, novel adaptation or whatever of a no narrative. Of Clorgalin. Clorgalin was always just a narrative. I, that was my oh. Nano 2020 project oh. that I did. Well, I read Clorgalin first. So yeah, which is uh, but I no well, I, I read, read I read, I read the SAC first. The SAC. The I always say the SAC. The SAC for anyone who uses episode, it is the SAC. But I always call it the SAC because I'm a pervert. Um, 
<laughs> I read that on episode first, and then I moved over to to what? Well, I was in the process of transitioning to Wattpad anyway because I had another friend who wrote um, Miami Outlaw on that. Um, yeah, that's what got me on Wattpad. Was yeah, Meredith me brought me over there, yeah. um, and I read that, and then you know I met you, uh, kind of through her too because you guys knew each other. Yeah. Yeah, well, she saw my post about how to write a romance and she led you to me. Yes, and... that's right. And then I, yeah. But then we didn't really talk because like. I forced you to be my friend. Yeah, we didn't really talk until. Do you we remember? Do you remember in the last episode? We talked about um, how like I didn't have like any boyfriends or girlfriends as like a, a child because nobody wanted to date me. And you were yeah. like, how, how is that possible? And I'm like, do you remember like last year how I had to beg you to be like, <laughs> like in my defense I'm just saying I would get confused so my schedule last year when we started talking was I would come home from work and I would do my workout and I normally turn on my like do not disturb while I'm doing my workout yeah. because I would get distracted and be like oh people are talking to me I need to check and see what's being said so I turn- so popular yeah, so then I would turn back on my do not disturb. And then I had all these messages, like not a ton. Like, it's not like you sent me like- It's not like I'm like a psycho. Yeah, no, but I'd have like a couple messages from you. And then I'd be so confused. I was like, what? Like, I was like, why is this person talking to me? I don't really know her. And, you know, I was like, okay. I feel like we have a lot in common. Like, <laughs> isn't that how you and meet then- people? <laughs> One day it all clicked and then it was fine. Like once it all clicked, we were fine. And then, yeah. Oh, man. It's emb- I should be embarrassed. Okay. But well, listen, let's get in, in my defense. It was a mystery to me that you wanted to be my friend. Okay, please still be my friend after that lame line. Gross. Oh, please. Let's get to the show yeah, now. Let's get to the show. Oh my we god. Should, we okay. should probably start with how to plot a mystery because that's what we do here. We like to start with the plotting. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I wish I wish we could like sit here and say that we're about to deliver something new, cool, and awesome for plotting a mystery. Um, but it's basically like plotting a drama novel. You know, you have the introduction, the rising action, the climax, the falling action, and then the conclusion. And if you Ooh, miss you know our what? drama. What? I can spice up that a bit, but I'll let you go first. Okay. I was just going to say, if you missed our plotting a drama uh, episode, we do have that as well. Um, yeah, there is actually a post showing you um, the whole thing, but I can spice it up a bit so that it's a little bit more interesting than plotting a drama. Okay, so in it. your rising action, you can actually think about the fact that you need clues. Oh, so wow. <laughs> So normally a rising action is like a straight line, like a straight Mm -hmm. shot to the climax. But you actually, in a mystery, you can look at it like peaks and valleys. So it's actually Mm -hmm. like a squiggly line to the top. Mm -hmm. The peaks are your clues that you're dropping. And the valley are the questions about those clues. Yeah. So just so we're clear, you know, the questions that you're saying are, you know, what does this clue mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And of course, when it comes to dropping clues, you don't want to forget to throw in a few red herrings. They are part of the fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fun. Um, If the rising (laughs) action are the clues along the way, you know, the climax is going to be the big reveal. And this is where readers will find out who the perpetrator of the crime was all along. 
Yeah, like in Scooby Doo, where they really they take and the I mask off. I would have gotten off. away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <laughs> oh my god, I loved Scooby Doo as a kid. Um. Anyway, so keep in mind that your conclusion needs to be fair. So don't suddenly introduce characters without setting it up earlier in the book. Like whoever right, yeah, the actual don't... perpetrator of the crime is, there should Surprise, be like, your reader should be able to look back and be like, oh, oh that kind of checks out. Yeah, you know. um you know it's kind of actually it's funny speaking on mysteries like you know and I know the show is not realistic before anyone asks me like I am well aware that this show is not realistic any kind of um, ready to be enraged what are they called they're called there's a specific name in the industry for these shows they're called oh darn it procedurals any procedural show so like house Grey's Anatomy um all those kinds of shows they're not real but like CSI I think the reason why I like it is because I like following the clues and kind of being able to say like whenever we find out who like the you know criminal is it's kind of like oh like that checks out when I think back to you know this piece of evidence or whatever I don't know that I want to put this out in the world but there was a time that I was deeply invested in CSI New York because oh gosh I that's the niece like yeah, I was Listen. really into that one. <laughs> I watched Dan. all. I watched them all except for Cyber, and I know that there's a new CSI out mm-hmm. now, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I just really like it for the clues. But before anyone asks, yeah, me, I watched I it know, for the clues too. <laughs> but like, I know it's not real. Okay, no one solves a crime on an overnight shift. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> that well, doesn't maybe happen. It depends on, you know, how stupid the criminal was. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, like, come on. When you're dealing, like, some of these are pretty, like, you know, like, you walk in and there's no one there to tell you who it is. I doubt they're solving it in an, in a 12-hour shift, you know? I don't know. I, listen, I'm not trying to assess anyone's job here, you know? <laughs> that is not, I am a worker bee. That is not my description. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so now that we've got the plotting figured out, let's do some quick tips on planning, like, so that you can actually plan out a really great mystery novel. Yes. So as always, we recommend that you read mystery novels. Imagine that. Uh, (laughs) Don't read them and take, you know, every idea ever, but you can see what works in the genre and what you like, and it will spark your own creative flow, I promise you. So from the classics to contemporary works, you know, mystery novels offer a lot of advice. And once you finish reading a novel, you can go back to page one and read it again. And then maybe you'll notice how the author has set up things and how they led you to the big reveal. And that can be really useful for, you know, kind of reverse engineering a mystery novel there. Mm hmm. And when you plot, you need to think about every detail of the crime. You need to know this crime basically inside out. Yeah. Um, so map out the who, what, where, when, and why, and how great mm-hmm. mystery writers actually research the crime itself. You know, whether it's poisoning or pickpocketing. Not, not like doing it to research. Yeah, it's not, not like, like a method. Google, Google yeah. searching it or like talking. Or, you know, you can talk to people who actually work within the field of how do they discover, like, you know, that it was a poisoning with this particular poison and we know this because and mm-hmm. all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like, Another they- cool thing to think about is that the FBI website actually offers like 
<laughs> video courses uh, for how to recognize certain things. So, mm-hmm. I mean, those could be useful if you want to sit down and watch like a, you know, video on that. Yeah. But I mean, it's really just important to know this stuff because you don't want to be, have your reader reading a novel who's actually in like the field of, you know. I am thinking- a pickpocketer and that is inaccurate. But I mean, like, <laughs> even so, like, if you think about like, for example, if a FBI agent is reading your book or a coroner or, yeah, you know, yeah. anybody, right. Who's reading this mystery novel who works within that field, you know, and they're reading it and they're like, this is not what would happen if they use this poison. Yeah. Actually, this is what I would find an autopsy as a coroner. If this was mm-hmm. what actually, you know, was I mean, what it's just killed like, them. it's like any other profession. I'm sure anyone listening here, you have your careers. And when you watch a show or read a book that has something that doesn't represent you correctly, you want to put it down because you're like, wow, this is not right. You know, mm-hmm. did they even try? Yeah, um, yeah. But yes, think about it. Think about the mechanisms at play. Um, many crime novels actually open on the crime itself. So, you know, what I'm saying here is just open with intrigue. Um, that's how you're going to hook your mystery reader. So afterwards, you can use things like flashboards, flashbacks, you know, to keep your readers intrigued um, as they get in the mind of your main character. And make sure you have strong character development. Remember that you you are dealing with human beings, not stereotypes. So your Mm -hmm. main character, whether they are amateur sleuth or a professional detective, um, they function as the eyes and ears of the reader and Mm -hmm. therefore should be both relatable and fallible. Mm-hmm. Your bad guy should also be con- complex and have clear motives. And then you also need to make a list of suspects, both because you want this to be an apparent list to your reader, or maybe you'll have a character that is, you know, the person investigating this, the Nancy Drew of it, you know, um, and they're going to have that list. But you need to know who is a suspect and why you know writing mysteries is like crafting puzzles you know um and you have like these vital pieces you know and the most vital piece of the puzzle is typically the criminal's identity in a novel so a great mystery will introduce several potential suspects over the course of a narrative and if you do it right your reader's gonna be like oh is this person oh it's this person whatever um but you just need to make sure that the motives are clear and they make sense to the character and to the story. Yeah. Um, and quickly, I'm just going to give you your daily dose of show. Don't tell. <laughs> you want to use descriptive writing to create scenes that allow your reader to explore and discover clues, um, even those that your main character might miss in the beginning. You you want to make sure that you are not just info dumping clues, basically. Well, and that that is really good because when you go back and you read it a second time, you're like, ah, there it is, you know? Yeah, like, ah, like, oh, they missed it. How did they even miss if it? This, it feels like it's a throwaway line and the description is boom, right there. And finally, you need to misdirect your readers. Misdirection is part of the fun. You know, you up that suspense and you build the engagement with your audience as, you know, they're running into sudden twists and dead ends and then in tandem with your sleuth you know the last thing that you want is for them to figure it all out when there's still half a book to tell okay so now that we've plotted the novel 
we should probably get into some elements of writing a good mystery. Um, okay. The first thing is going to be a strong hook. So a great mystery should invite the reader to try and solve the crime. And a great opening is critical to piquing their interest. A mystery should start with just enough information about the crime to build intrigue from the first line. Mm -hmm. This is the defining moment when a reader chooses whether or not they are actually going to continue. Right. If the dramatic element is missing from the beginning, the reader expects the rest of the book to be the same. So the first chapter should initiate the mystery, aligning the reader with the central character on the crime-solving adventure. And then you want to really think about like the atmosphere and the setting, right? So stories in this genre should create an ominous, uneasy mood through the setting to support the anxiety of an unknown antagonist that's lurking in the shadows. So think of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. You know, he's slinking through the London fog in search of a killer. Settings and mysteries offer opportunities to plant clues and red herrings and just details and details, details. <laughs> this one's going to be pretty obvious, but obviously we need a crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, the crime is the event that fuels the whole plot of the mystery novel. Um, this crime is obviously going to be revealed in the first chapter. You know, it creates mm-hmm. a central conflict, launches the investigation. And this is essentially what sends your main character on their quest and spurs the narrative arc. And you would not have a mystery novel without a sleuth. So at the heart of every good mystery is a good main character that is just determined to solve this crime. And the character development of the sleuth is so important. You know, they need a backstory that is going to connect them to the crime or to the killer or whatever. And a motive that explains why solving this crime is so important. And of course, what is a mystery without a villain? So a mystery is often called a whodunit because the culprit is unknown until they're caught at the end. The story follows their movements, which propel the story forward. The main character and the reader discover the criminal's identity as the plot reaches its climax. And we need the narrative momentum. A mystery plot um, is in constant motion thanks to that cat and mouse narrative thread. The pacing will quicken the closer, you know, the plot is moving towards the climax and the closer the main character is getting to solving that crime. Clues! We obviously need clues. Clues are the literally literary element that allows mystery stories to engage readers on a deeper level than other types of fiction. The reader becomes an amateur sleuth themselves. They're following the trails of clues to try and discover the identity of the culprit. When writing mysteries, an author needs to have an organized writing process in order to keep track of what clues they're creating. When they appear and who knows what in order to make sure the plot line all makes sense. And if you have that, the next one is really easy foreshadowing mysteries are going to be dropping hints of things that will happen in the future. This is known as foreshadowing. A writer can hint at a future event with a small clue or through character dialogue. Writers can be more or less direct with foreshadowing, either subtly hinting at the future events or just straight up stating that they're going to happen. 
And we kind of talked about it before, but this is really important. And that's red herrings. A good mystery actually throws readers off the track of the actual culprit. So when it comes to writing a good mystery, often readers get thrown off track from the actual culprit. And Mm -hmm. red herrings are an essential element to doing that. So these are false clues that build tension by creating other suspects and distracting the detective and the reader. I'm actually going to give an example here. So I was reading a book where the whole time you're kind of on track towards someone else. And then all of a sudden, this was like a series of books and like a child from an earlier book suddenly was grown and they were back. And they were suspiciously close to the crime. And there were a few clues that actually pointed to them being in that area. And so, of course, whenever you're thinking, well, this is the child of someone who is a known criminal, you kind of, my mind went to, okay, well, obviously this kid grew up to be a bad guy too. Terrible. That is as terrible as leaving Patty. But the thing is. But the thing is, is that the, the, the author did such a good job of convincing me that there were a lot of reasons why this kid, well, they weren't a kid anymore. I just remember them as a kid, but why this other person was actually a good, um, a good candidate candidate for the crime until someone else comes in and asks a very important question, which then of course made me ask the question are we looking at this person because they are the child of a known criminal or because the clues or because the evidence actually points towards Mm -hmm. them being Mm -hmm. the criminal. And once that question was asked, I felt so confused. I'm like, who did it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But anyway, the point is, is that it's throwing in those red herrings that really actually help convince readers that, okay, we got it. It's this person, you know, (laughs) it doesn't matter that we're only, you know, like 50% through this novel. We figured it out. Now we just have to connect the dots. (laughs) So when you connect those dots, it leads to the best part because I am not a monster like Elle is, Um, you know, that satisfying, satisfying ending. So at the end of your great mystery novel, there is the big reveal. The sleuth discovers the identity of the culprit. And, you know, the ending should provide an alibi for any other suspects to strengthen the identity of the real killer or culprit or whatever, and eliminates doubt tying up all of the loose ends. And I do mean all of them because a lot of people leave some of them in their first drafts. And it's like, don't, well, yeah. I will say too, like, you know, you can create an alibi for why they weren't there, but you know, the way actually this book did it, um, to, um, the way this book did to show that obviously this person was not the, um, was not the culprit was they actually showed that physically he was unable to commit the crime. Mm -hmm. Like he had, Mm -hmm. he actually had a, um, a genetic, um, like problem with his hands. So he Mm -hmm. could not have actually, it was a murder mystery. He could not have murdered the person the way that they were murdered. There was just no way he could have done it. He didn't actually have the strength to do it. So anyway, let's hit our listeners with our commercial break and then we'll come back and we can chat about the psychology behind why the heck we want to read these (laughs) atrocious crimes. (laughs) Hey Meg. Hey Elle. Remember when we said we wanted to start a podcast, but didn't know where to start? Yep. 
And then we heard about Anchor, you know, the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. (laughs) I sure do. And it's been great. We can record, upload, and even schedule the days our podcast releases. Everyone should check it out. Easy podcasting, free hosting, join the growing number of podcasters who are using Anchor worldwide today. Guys, welcome back to So You Wanna, show for writers by writers. Today, we are talking about the mystery genre. Before the break, we talked about how to plot a mystery novel. Elle got a little violent. Um, You know, we talked about some of the elements to help you write. Now we're going to get into the psychology behind why we even read them. I know Elle's excited about it. This is going to be a very Elle-eccentric, excited (laughs) episode. Uh, This is your wheelhouse. So, you know, kick it off. (laughs) All right. Yeah, it definitely is uh, my area. Um, To be curious, or to be honest, (laughs) I'm just really curious about why humans are so into horror and mystery. I mean, suspense is absolutely an uncomfortable feeling. And as a mystery writer, your goal is to actually keep readers both grinning and squirming at the same time. And I'm like, why do people want to squirm? But here we are. I mean, that's a different kind of tension than in romance, right? Yeah, it really is. You know, I guess whenever you're talking tension, all novels have tension, but this is, I always find, you know, mystery and and horror and all those genres interesting because like we want what makes us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, like that's just it. Like why? And why? Why? Yeah. (laughs) You know, but I guess the answer to that is simpler than one might think. And it's because humans are kind of weird and we like to worry. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever tried meditation. Have you ever tried meditation? I haven't because like I'm an Aries. So enough said. Yes. All the time. I do yoga and I meditate all the time. Okay. I do yoga, but like when I do yoga, it's not designed to clear my mind or, or anything. Like, I just do yoga because I enjoy it, but I never, I've, I I've did never done meditation a lot when I was doing martial arts, uh, with my dad too. So like, maybe this is just the thing that I grew up with. Yeah. The I point is yes. I can't meditate to save my life. So, Mm -hmm. but you know, my understanding of it and my experience with it too, is that it's very hard to stay present in the moment that you're in. Mm -hmm. Um, like, I don't know, like I just, I always have a million things on my mind, like, oh my gosh, like I need to wash something or, oh gosh, there's dog hair on the floor. I should really (laughs) vacuum my floors, you know, but anyway, So the interesting thing that when it comes to human thoughts is that (laughs) most of us have a pretty easy time heading to the most negative outcomes of anything. But that makes sense in like an evolutionary way, you know, like way back when not thinking about, you know, what could go wrong would literally mean that you would die or suffer severe consequences, you know? it would be better to be prepared for trouble than blindsided by it. Right. But I mean, this is 2022 and like walking out your front door is no longer inherently dangerous. Isn't it? It's 2022. We just got out of a freaking pandemic. We're still in it. Listen, Elle, the last two summers that I've known you, I've gotten a text that's been like, well, there's a bear. So I, and then like a week later, it's like, yeah, they have a trap because it's become a problem bear. And I'm just like, what, when is a bear not a problem? So please tell me again how 2022 is safe and you don't have to worry about fucking bears when you walk out the front door. 
I'm not worried about it. Yeah, not yet. But, you know, in another week when, you know, I, I'm putting out my call for a new host, I feel like you're going to be worried about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> One day I'm just going to walk out my door and get eaten. So we need to start my story post with a L met problem bear need to <laughs> apply with him. Moving on. Uh-huh. So in fictional suspense, you know, the rules are kind of a bit different than everyday life. So those feelings that we actually hate in day-to-day life, you know, time pressure, high stakes, physical danger, potential catastrophic outcomes. All of those things I like. Okay. I'm... I'm glad to know that you enjoy a good catastrophic outcome when I'm in a busy and I'm going to be worried every single day that you're going to face us with catastrophic. Yeah, At least there are not bears here. There are other things that I have to worry about. Okay. Not bears. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) Anyway, though, these things are actually what keep people glued to the story. Readers can't help but be drawn in wondering what's going to happen next. So this is why tension is so important, like fail to create that. And your readers are going to get frustrated and bored and likely put the book down because that's what they came for. So Meg, I've created a list of why people like the anxiety of suspense novel novels. And I was thinking you could help me run through them. All right. So it offers a form of control. If the story gets too intense, you can put it down. Fiction gives us this vicarious experience that allows us to consider the conflicts and the themes in our own lives. Um, Play is the opposite of depression. And by engaging our imaginations, stories give our mind a space to play. Adult minds seem to consider fewer and fewer possibilities. So think about how often as adults, we jump to conclusions. We, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about the bear. We see something, you know, maybe it's a behavior, maybe it's a bear um, that is new or different. And we come to a conclusion ourselves without even diving deeper into it. We make that assumption and then we run with it. And often our minds cannot be changed that there is another possibility that maybe you know, is not dark and depressing. (sighs) Um, But if depression is lost, play is intervention. So it is an instinct. Adults often forget this, but kids don't need to be reminded. If adults can be reassured that it is safe, so no social consequences, adults will jump at the opportunity to play. Because reading is one of the safest forms of that play, it is why you see adults indulge in it as a common pastime. Again, it's safe to get lost in the mystery where there is danger, potential death, potential bears, and a lot of situations that might elevate your blood pressure a little, um, but you're safe when you're tucked into your chair or your bed or your couch, you know, and mysteries offer a different kind of anxiety and one that is not experienced by actual proximity. Mm-hmm. And the mind wants to complete narratives. In suspense, the readers become the writer in the way, restlessly imagining how the story will unfold. We can't help ourselves. The mind craves a complete narrative and struggles with unresolved threats. 
Have you ever woken up from a bad dream with the desire to return to it? If only for a few minutes just to complete the story that you didn't quite get done. It's definitely happened to me. And I would just like to say I have never successfully gotten back to the dream that I wanted. (laughs) You know, mystery writers create narratives that are incomplete enough that readers keep turning the pages until it's complete. So as a mystery writer, you want to create a compulsive read readability that has its own velocity, essentially books that your readers can't put down and can't wait to get back to so that they can finally close the circle. I will say a room swept white I read in one day. It was that good. <laughs> well, you know, I do this third one, but it is like so nerdy that I think you should just take it. What does that say about me? All right, all right. The final thing is that it provides a neurochemical rush. You know, I talked a bit about neurochemicals back in horror, which you can, of course, find the video on YouTube. You can find our podcast. So I won't go as deep into like brain structure this time, but um, there's a little bit of it here. So suspense activates the the amygdala, our emotional processing center, uh, and the adrenal glands, which are actually on our kidneys, um, in case you didn't know that. Um, And they release hormones that deal with things like blood pressure. So that activation creates a rush, but a contained one pursuit is where the pleasure is anticipation is the rush from Mm -hmm. a neurological standpoint that's what's happening um it's not it isn't much different than if you were say running from that problem bear (laughs) (laughs) however the reaction is less severe and the cognitive content is actually different but what happens in your body is exactly the same rush of chemicals and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff Mm -hmm. so your reader is essentially microdosing themselves with yeah, they're getting same- hot for danger <laughs> yeah um microdosing themselves with the same neurotransmitters that would be activated if an actual emergency was happening if an actual problem there right that actual problem bears in your yard um and once the amygdala reacts it takes some time for the person to actually return back to base level calm and that's just like even in a in a novel reading so Mm. it sounds awful but in reality it's about the fact that some people enjoy actually activating their brains in this way um Mm -hmm. so you know i'm just gonna say give the people what they want yeah yeah well, I think we should wrap this up into one final thought. Okay. I've got the final thought. Here we go. Got it. The nature of anxiety is uncertainty. Anxiety is what you're trying to get your readers to feel. Mm-hmm. Some people like the idea that they can experience this emotion in a controlled way. And that is your target audience. Does that work? Yeah. Yeah. It works. Cool. Well, that is it for today. I do want to thank everyone who has tuned in. Welcome back to season two of So You Want It. If you have forgotten, I'm Meg, and you can find me on Wattpad at Megan Alexandria. I'm on Amazon under author slash Megan Alexandria, and I'm also on Instagram at author Megan Alexandria. And I'm Elle over on Instagram at lmeredith.writes and TikTok under the same handle, lmeredith.writes. If you're specifically looking to read my work, please go to Wattpad. L. Meredith writes everything is there. Come back next week to learn all about plotting. Same time, same place. We want to see you there. Uh, I felt a little weird having you do that. Okay. Well, <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>